Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. promised that in these last days his ministers shall possess greater power Genesis chapter 1 verse 29 it says this and God said Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. Can you say with me yielding seed? To you it shall be for meat. The tree is yielding seed and this shall be for your meat. Meat is another word for provision. We're starting a new series today. And this is a series on the topic of prosperity. Amen. Somebody say prosperity. prosperity. Amen. Satan cannot stop the word of God from producing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16... He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes. So when the gospel is preached, it will save a Catholic, a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Hindu, an atheist. Doesn't matter what religious background, training, or theology they have or don't have. The gospel has the power within it to save souls. So Satan cannot stop the power of the gospel. Amen. When the word of God is preached, he cannot hinder it. But what he can do is he can choke out the finances of God's people. Because he has authority in that realm. If you remember, when Satan came to Jesus, he told Jesus to bow down and worship him. Because if he did, he would give him all the riches and all the, all the kingdoms of the world. So that is the realm that Satan is operating in. And if he could choke out the finances of the children of God, then he can stop the gospel from going forward. I did not pull up statistics, but if you look at statistics worldwide, churches are closing every single day. There's more churches closing than opening. And the number one reason for churches closing is because of finances. Somebody said that people become preachers, become pastors just to make money. Well, they are definitely in the wrong business. Because most pastors are broke. 
Amen. So they are definitely going into the wrong business if you are going into ministry for money. Hallelujah. Now, I, I do know it's, it's common for people to do that, and they quickly find out that it is a wrong decision. Let's take a look here at Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. We're going to read a lot of scriptures here in this service and in this series. Because there is a war on prosperity. There is a war on prosperity, so we need to give you a lot of scriptures to let you know what God says about your finances. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Let's take a look at it here. He says, for the kingdom, or do we have it on the screen? Yeah, good. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Say his goods. How many know everything that you have are his goods? All the money, all the clothes, all the, I, we have people in this church that have LV belts, iPads, uh, Apple phones, iWatches, and they don't tithe. Everything you have belongs to God. Amen. Hallelujah. They say, I have no money to tithe, but you have money for your iPhone and your iPad and your iWatch and your LV belt and your alligator skin shoes. Hallelujah. Something's wrong with that, isn't it? So he says here, his goods, they're God's goods. Everything you have belongs to God. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. And he went, and, and excuse me, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. He doubled the money. Amen. Say, double the money. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. He doubled the money. Say double the money. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and he hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And the Lord said to him, well done. Can you say well done? Well, well done. He doubled the money. He sold five and he reaped five. He doubled it. And God said, well done. Amen. Thou good, say good, good. and faithful, say faithful. Thou good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. God has promised that in these last days, his ministers shall possess greater power. Twenty for two. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, 
Thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. Isn't it interesting that this person that didn't double the money, he had all this theology. I, everyone else didn't give Jesus any theology. He just said, here's the money. I doubled the money. You, you gave me this, I doubled it. And God said, good job, good and faithful servant. But the one who didn't do right, he had all this theology behind it. Well, I knew this and I knew that. And I knew that thou were a hard man. He had all these presumptions, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went. See, the, the, the roots of being stingy is always fear. He said, I was afraid and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo there thou hast that is thine. 26, his Lord answered and said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and I gather where I have not strawed. Isn't that interesting that the Lord reaps where he sows not, he gathers where he's not strawed. Obviously, this Lord is a harvesting Lord. He's the Lord of the harvest, Amen is a harvesting Lord, 27. Thou oughtest therefore have put my money to the exchangers, say it's his money. And then at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him which hath 10 talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given. And he shall have abundance. Say abundance. It is the will of God for you to have abundance. And to him that has shall more be given, and you shall have abundance. Verse 29. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. This is why the poor stay poor, and the rich stay rich. The poor, even what they have is taken away. Amen. But to him that has, God gives more because they have it for a reason. Amen. Verse 30. And cast ye the unprofitable servant. Say unprofitable. What does Jesus say about the tree that doesn't yield its seed? He says, hewn it down, throw it into the fire because it is unprofitable. Doesn't he say that? He says, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Very interesting teaching in red. That means by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Since 2009, I, I would estimate maybe around 2009, I had been deceived into teaching that 
the churches in, in, in church as Christians, we should give to support the vision. That giving is to support the church. That giving is to support the vision. And we give to help the orphans. We give to help the church vision. We give to help plant churches. And I have been deceived into thinking this because the common talk around the church, around Christianity, is that you don't give to get. You give because you love God. And it's, it's been, as one pastor said, a badge of honor when a church says, we don't take up offerings or we just put a box in the back and we let people, you know, just quietly, anonymously give their money at the box in the back. And we think, wow, that's such a nice church. And when churches say, oh, visitors, no, you don't give. Visitors don't give. And we always say, well, that's so nice. The church doesn't, you know, expect visitors to give. And we wear it as a badge of honor. God has promised that in these last days, his ministers shall possess greater power. To encourage people to not make giving an important part of their life. And we are been taught that we don't give to get we give because we love God. And I have taught this myself now for 10 years. And today I declare to you that I repent because I have been wrong. To tell you that you don't give to get is unbiblical. Giving is not for the church's needs because God's going to provide for the church himself. Amen. God can cause a raven to come and to bring provision for the church. If you know anything about ravens, ravens are stingy birds. God can speak to a stingy millionaire to come and pay the bills of the church. Amen. So God will provide for his church any way that he sees fit. So you don't give to support this church or to make it or break it. You don't. You give because it is God's way of providing for your life. Amen. You sow into the kingdom of God because it unlocks your provision. Amen. Some people say, are you saying we give to get? Yes. You absolutely better believe it. You give to get. Why do we have a problem with that? Do people buy real estate and hope there's no return? Do people invest in the stock market and hope that there's no return? Do people, you know, put, put money in stocks and bonds hoping that there's no return? It is normal in life to invest and to sow in order to get. And if you don't do that to get, God calls you unprofitable and wicked. But all of a sudden we come in the church and we get religious and we say, I don't give to get. I just give because I love God. Jesus, if he was going to commend that, he would have told that person who buried the money, he would have told them, oh, you're so good. You didn't give to get. God bless you. But you people who gave to get and multiplied the money, go into the internal fire where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But no, he, he, he said to them, you gave to get and you doubled the money. You're good and faithful. But to those who, who, to that guy who got and he gave and not to get, but he just buried it, not expecting any increase, he was considered wicked. 
Isn't that interesting? If it was not the will of God, he would have condemned the, the faithful servant and blessed the foolish one. Amen. Let's take a look here at the, Genesis chapter 1. God has promised that in these last days, his ministers shall possess greater power. I went up and I looked, where is the very first place in the Bible where it talks about giving? And I found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, is where we first find the word give. And it says here in verse 14, And God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give. Say give. So he put the sun in order to give, to give light upon the earth. And when light is given to the earth, how does the earth respond? The earth responds with harvest. It responds with trees growing, plants growing, flowers growing. When the, the sun gives its light, the earth gives its harvest. So the very first place that we see the word give in the Bible, it's attached to cosmic harvest. Do you hear me? Jeremiah 22 says this. Take Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 22. Look at this. When you get there, say amen. If it's on the screen, you're there before me. Hallelujah. Chapter 4, verse 22. And we'll read down to verse 28. Hallelujah. Look what it says in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 22, 28. This is a record of God destroying the pre-Adamic earth. As you know, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God made the heavens and the earth. And we know that when God makes anything, he makes it perfect. And Isaiah says that when God makes something, he makes it to be inhabited. He makes it to be perfect. So we see in, verse, in, in, in Genesis chapter 1, in the first few verses, that something happened where the sun was turned off, the earth was destroyed. There was a cosmic collision that took place. And we see this recorded in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 22 through 28. This is what he says. For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are Scottish children, and they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. Behold the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. So now he's taking us back to Genesis when the earth was destroyed. The earth is without form and void. And the heavens, and they had no light. What would happen if the sun right now ceased from giving its light to the earth? What would happen? Yeah, I would be talking like this and I'd just freeze. I would instantly freeze. That's why they even have uh, these, these um, are they called woolly mammoths? I forgot. These big like elephants in Russia that are frozen 
while eating a fish. They have fish in their mouth. They were in the middle of eating and they're frozen because something happened that shut the sun off immediately when judgment came. So it says here, amen. It says here in verse 23, behold and lo, it was without form and void and the heavens and they had no light. And I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. And behold, I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord, and by his fierce anger. We see this time also recorded during the fall of Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28 where Lucifer fell and all the peoples were destroyed and everything was, was destroyed when Lucifer fell from heaven. We know that the fall of Lucifer was before the garden because in Genesis, Lucifer was already in the garden tempting Adam and Eve. Jesus said... I have cast Satan down from heaven like lightning. Well, when did that happen? He was already in the garden in Genesis with Adam and Eve. It happened before Adam and Eve. It happened before Genesis 1, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. It happened during the time between creation of all things and he rebelled against God, was cast down to the earth. All of these uh, cavemen and dinosaurs that were in the earth were destroyed. The sun was turned off and the earth became a ball of ice. And then God began to speak and restore the earth. Amen. This is the record of the pre-Adamic earth. When it came time to restore the earth, when it came time to bring vegetation, when it came time for God to restore all things, he says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, he says, let there be light. God sowed. He sowed a word. When the earth was a ball of ice, when there was no sun, when the dinosaurs were destroyed, when the cave people that were on the earth were destroyed, when those who rebelled against God were locked into Taurus, in the very belly of hell until the day of judgment, God sowed. He sowed a word. Amen. Did he expect a harvest from his word? Yes, he did. Thank you. When he sowed that word, he expected a harvest. Hallelujah. Every time God sows a word, he expects a harvest. Isaiah 55.11 says this. You can put it on the screen. 55.11. He says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish which that which I please. It shall prosper whereunto I send it. Every time God speaks a word, he expects a harvest because words are seed. And when the word of God himself, who is Jesus was sown into the earth. Did he expect a harvest? Jesus, the word, he gave his life 
because he would be the firstborn among many brethren. If there was no harvest attached to that seed, God would not sow it. But he was the word of God himself when sowed, was sowed with an expectation that he would harvest billions of souls. And you are part of the harvest. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're part of the harvest. to stop the recording at that point but you may be listening right now and you say Pastor Joey I wanted to pray that prayer if I was there I would have prayed with you I'd like to pray right now as a matter of fact I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ I would like to have God in my life and I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him you know repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way. Like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, when I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life. Because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that could follow up with you and help teach you the word of God. Thank you for listening and feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the word of God.